Hello, welcome to the monthly Skill Bites show where we share information that is geared to helping you succeed in your business. This is Judy Weintraub, CEO of Skill Bites and host of this show. If you want to position yourself as an expert, one of the best ways to do that is to become a published author. Skillbytes author platform provides the easiest way to get a book written and published. Today, our guest is Mark Coudre of Coudre Growth Technologies. Mark is a serial entrepreneur with almost five decades of widely varied experience. He is recognized internationally as a premier thought leader and strategist who delivers proven net profit and gross margin gains, even in highly commoditized price-driven markets. He has been preparing for a disruptive event like this for the last eight years. Known as an optimization strategist, growth and profit architect, Mark's passion in life is inventing exceptional business strategies and practices so a business can excel to its fullest potential. Mark's gonna discuss how to leverage your customer base to grow your business in a COVID-driven world. The COVID crisis has changed businesses on so many different levels. What used to work no longer applies. If you are struggling prior to the event, it's even more difficult to survive. Learn how to determine the true value of your customer base and how to further leverage that value in new ways to increase the profitability and cash flow of your business. Mark, welcome to the Skill Bites Show. I am super excited to have you here today so that we can help business owners navigate the COVID crisis. Thank you very much, Judy. I'm really happy to be here. So we continue to be in uncertain times. In fact, it's kind of like a roller coaster. It was down and then things started to get a little better and, and now things are uncertain again. Can you share what your experience has been like over the last few months? Absolutely. Uh, as a business coach, one of the things that I've found is that it's incredibly important to have accurate information. And unfortunately, during this COVID crisis, uh, it's become so politicized and so biased that uh, it's very difficult to determine what's real and what's not. So I've made a special effort um, starting in the middle of March, right before the lockdowns, I created a, an outreach program on LinkedIn. And uh, as a result of that outreach, I've increased my connections by about 5,000 connections to business owners and founders in all industries. And from that have connected uh, and set up conversations with over 400 of those companies in all industries and all geographies. And the idea was, was to get a understanding of boots on the ground, what's happening in your geography, what's happening in your market, what's happening in your industry. So uh, I quickly found uh, the number of companies that were pivoting and uh, taking new directions, taking advantage of, ch of changes uh, that were driven by COVID. Things like uh, personal protective equipment, face masks and face shields, uh, plexiglass dividers, uh, floor graphics for uh, businesses to maintain social distancing, things like that, disinfectants, hand, hand sanitizers. Um, and then also looked at the businesses that were severely impacted. 
any service-based business that was driven by events like wedding planning uh, or personal services businesses like hair salons and um, uh, gyms, things like this, nail salons, all of them very, very difficult. Um, and what I found, and this is this will be very useful to your uh, listeners, is that the businesses that do well differentiate themselves by stepping away from what they do and how they do it. In other words, um, if you're a printer and you're printing on vinyl banners, that's what you do and how you do it. Uh, and you step back away and you focus on what the benefit of your product is. So in the case of the hair salon folks and personal grooming, uh, their business is about self-esteem and providing confidence. Uh, when somebody looks good, they feel, feel better about themselves. So their real driver for their business is making their customers feel better about themselves. And you can do that remotely as well as you can in person. And so that gave them the ability to then create individual consultations, uh, color consultations, um, in, in terms of things that they can do to make themselves feel better and instill confidence and a positive outlook moving forward. Yeah, in fact, they could even help people with, um, with styling themselves, you know, whether it's uh, clothing styles or hairstyles, if they need to cut their own hair, I suppose. You don't want them to learn so much that they never come back to you, but you also want to keep them. Well, my, my experience with this is, uh, and I just got off the phone with, uh, with a hairstylist in, uh, in Marin County, California, just north of San Francisco last week. And what it's doing is that as people try and take care of their own grooming needs at home, they develop a much greater appreciation for their stylist. So it's, it's the opposite of what you would think. They realize what professionalism they bring and they're very, very appreciative of the fact that the stylist is concerned about their mental health and their positive outlook moving forward. So they create a better connection and a better relationship to their customer base. Great. Um, other examples that you have? So there were many different businesses that were in a state of uncertainty and flux. Where are we going to go? What are we going to do? We can't do business the way that we're familiar. How do we pivot and how do we uh, move forward? How do we sell in a, in a market like this? And the response there is that it's very difficult to sell when people are in a state of fear and panic. Uh, when they're threatened, they're in a state called amygdala hijack. And that's where your brain literally shuts down and keeps you from making logical and analytical, uh, critical thinking decisions. You're really there about protecting yourself. You're worried about your physical survival. And in a situation like that, the best thing that a, a customer can do and a company can do is to reach out to their customer base and say, how are you doing? What can we do to help you? What can we do to help you today? And it may not be our goods and services, but it may be something that someone else in my network can do to help you. 
And as a result of that, what you're doing is you're building an integrated connected community within your own personal business network. So it's not about primary goods and services. It's about how your network is interacting with the other resources that you're bringing. And that brings a whole new level of appreciation for the value that you have as an established business. Right. And uh, the appreciation for your care, your concern builds that trust factor, the no like and trust factor that when things are back to or closer to back to normal, uh, those people are going to stay with you and refer you to others. Exactly. So what, what other types of um, guidance or tips have you uh, gotten from your conversations, your 400 conversations with these other uh, business owners and others that you've connected with on LinkedIn? It's, it's incredibly important for people to remain positive and optimistic because that is progressively moving from a state of chaos, a state of threat, a state of fear, a state of survival, uh, the, you have to move progressively. You can't move just in one big jump from negative to positive. So the, the voicing and the messaging that businesses uh, need to have is one of being cautiously optimistic. We are uncertain about the future. We don't know what's coming next, but we do know that acting in, in using common sense um, will protect yourself. Washing your hands, common sense. Staying a uh, physical distance, common sense, using a mask to um, minimize the uh, overspray, if you want to call it that, of just conversation. It's common sense. You know, doctors have been using masks in the, in the operating room forever and physically to, to keep from projecting any kind of um, bacteria or anything like that in, in the uh, sterile environment. So we know that these things will have an impact. And just today I saw on CNN, they, they, a new report came out from a medical journalist, journal saying that those three basic things will retard uh, the progression of the virus just by having common sense. So as opposed to, you know, trying to politicize something and, and making a statement about personal, um, you know, freedoms and all, all that kind of stuff that's there, just be, be a good human and do common, be common, make common sense. Yeah, it, it, it seems pretty obvious. And yet there are so many people who are sick and tired of wearing the masks and uh, and, and being isolated that they've gone to the other extreme. They're not wearing the masks. They're, um, they're not caring about getting together with groups of other people. Um, I don't know quite what to do. I mean, when you see people not wearing masks or you see, I, I was going to the store the other day and I passed a group of about 10 kids playing basketball together. Well, no masks. You know, they're all handling the ball. How, what are you supposed to do? Just ignore well, it? Or do you you know, it's, that? again, this comes down to what's really going on. And people are going to get sick. You know, there's, they're going to get sick in life. 
people get sick from all kinds of different kinds of things. Um, and if we look at the distribution of the people that are really seriously impacted with this, uh, it's over 60. And the really serious impact is over 70. Um, so you have to look at it from the standpoint, I think, of preventing the spread of the disease in that age group. If, if you're only interacting with young people and you're only interacting with a, a limited group, I can see where they would feel that that was not important. But the fact is, is that we interact in society. That is the fact. And, and they're going to interact with their parents and their parents are going to be interacting with their parents. Right. Um, or other people at their office who are in, interacting with parents and it can spread so easily. I, I think the bigger issue for me anyway is I, I am a big proponent on understanding how we make decisions in our brain, how we think about things, how we act on things. And there is a tremendous amount of information that's been published for over 70 years, 80 years, mostly uh, after World War II, when, when they had uh, prison, the prison camps in, in Germany and Japan and talking with the survivors coming out of that, the people that did the best were the people that held positive thoughts, that were thinking about a positive future and not about the moment. The people that did the worst were the ones that were holding out for the silver bullet. They were holding out for the invasion. They were holding out to be done by Christmas. They were holding out for something that they didn't have control over. But the people that had control over their thoughts and that would hold positive thoughts like their family, their kids, their wife, their home, um, their community, those were the ones that were the survivors. The ones that died mostly from disease were the ones that were under constant stress that were, that were um, in a state of depression or in a state of constant anxiety. So, so our, our real function and the thing that I, I talk to businesses all about all the time is to be in a state of gratitude. Find a way of thinking about how things are going. And in the beginning of this, people would, would say, well, that's easy for you to say, you know, you're, you're in a safe environment. You're not, in a, you're not in an urban environment where you live. It's not, you know, you're not under threat like we are. And my response was, take the labels off of whatever is happening. Don't call it good. Don't call it bad. Don't call it a pandemic. Don't call it viral. Don't, you know, take it off and just take the labels off of it and look at what's happening only as an event in time and realize that any event can only have three outcomes. And those three outcomes, two of them are negative. They can get worse, they can stay the same, or they can get better. And so no matter how stressful a situation can be, when you're looking for the positive in that event, how is this going to move us towards a positive outcome? That means that you have to have a clear idea of where you want to go in your life. You want to have a clear idea of what you want it to look like on the other side. And you're going to look at those events as an opportunity to find ways to 
prosper on the other side? How do we thrive coming out of this? So it's a mental discipline game. It's a framework. It's a mental model that you play with yourself to look for the positive in, in, in any given situation. That's a, that's a great tip because it it's hard to think of where to go, but when you start to look at the positive things, um, trying to determine what you're grateful for, I think it frees up your mental capabilities to then think more broadly, what can I do in this situation that uh, I couldn't do before and that will enable me to get through it better? Um, in our in introduction, you had mentioned that I've been preparing this for the last eight years. I'd like to share with the audience a little bit about my background so they can understand where I'm coming from when I yeah, say that. Absolutely. I actually was going to get to that next, so you okay. beat me to it. So uh, in 2007, uh, 2006, 2007, we were at the peak of the, the pre-real um, estate crash. Everything was moving great. Our business was doing fantastic, 38 years into it. And uh, we made a decision to expand. We invested uh, almost a million dollars of our own money into a brand new state-of-the-art facility. Uh, as a small business, that was a huge investment. I didn't borrow any money from the bank. It was our money out of our savings. Uh, everything was going well. Uh, we moved into the brand new facility uh, and our, our overhead increased from about 40,000 a month to 100,000 a month. Wow. Uh, larger space and more employees, new equipment. Uh, and we moved in in January of 2008, right as the economy tipped. And uh, it got real weird real fast. We, we, in the spring of 2008, we watched our revenue drop by 62%, very similar to the COVID situation. And I couldn't understand if this was because we'd moved into a new facility and people didn't know we were where we were, uh, or whether we couldn't find our groove or just what the situation was. We didn't realize what was going on outside of us. And so I was pumping in you know, additional 40,000, 20,000, 30,000, 50,000 a month to keep us going. And over the course of the next uh, year and a half or so, uh, I invested another half a million dollars to keep us uh, afloat. And it, in the meantime, the business was seriously weakened. Uh, we were not in the strong financial position we were because we'd burned through all of our reserves. By now, the banks weren't loaning any money to small businesses. In fact, they'd called our credit line. Uh, so we didn't have that parachute, uh, that cushion that we thought we were having. It was getting really serious, but I was determined and focused to move us ahead. And we did that. And we were coming out of it. And we, and in the spring of 2010, uh, we started making money again and everything was great. And then in the, in April of, of 2010, my 23 year old son was diagnosed with acute leukemia. And it was a very, very aggressive form of leukemia where he went from being a healthy, um, athlete, athletic young man, super conscious about what he ate and, and his, his whole health regime uh, to being on the doorsteps of death in 10 days. Uh, and we took him to Stanford 
And over the course of the next 19 months, he went through two bone marrow transplants and 11 different rounds of chemo before we ultimately lost him to the disease. And in the meantime, we went through two foreclosures. We saw the absolute worst in people that take advantage of when you're down, kick you when you're down. Uh, the two foreclosures that we went through were illegal. Um, and it was part of the disaster of the, of the post real estate crash. Um, and uh, it was, there was nothing. We had our house and we were, we were um, two months behind on our mortgage payment on our house. They could have foreclosed on our home and we would have been out of, we would have been on the streets after 40 some odd years in business. And so I sat down one day and I, I said, you know, here I am 58 years old at this point. I had, we had gone through all of our assets, 40 years worth of accumulation of, of conservative, conscientious, focused effort had all been expended uh, during this unusual time, very much like COVID. And I sat down and I looked, I was looking over the smoking rubble of what was left and I said, to myself, I'm 58. I can allow this series of events to define me from this point forward. Or I can sit and look at these events and say, what happened here? How could I have avoided this? And in the process of doing that, I did an analysis on my own business in the same way that I analyze customers' businesses that I work with as a business coach and consultant. And I found fundamental flaws in the way I ran my business. They were hidden, they were latent, they were under the surface. And then when I started looking at my colleagues, my customers, my clients, 100% of them had the same flaws that I had. And every one of them was unaware that they were there. And part of it has to do with the way that we uh, have been trained and the, and the cultural biases that we have in our society. Uh, work hard, get ahead. You know, we tend to borrow too much. We're not as, we're not as uh, liquid as we need to be. We're, we're too leveraged. Um, and if something happens, we might have 60 days or 90 days or maybe six months of liquidity to be able to handle that. And we did, we got through almost two years of that. So we were better off than most, but we weren't, we made decisions that were not good decisions. So that's when in 2012, uh, I started looking at this and that's how I uh, developed my catalyst model that I've been working with now uh, since then to help businesses to deal with unexpected crisis. And it could be a terrorist attack, it could be a fire, it could be a tornado or a hurricane, it could be an earthquake, uh, it could be a pandemic or an epidemic, it could be violence in the workplace, it could be anything that is unexpected and creates a disruptive crisis in a business. What do you do? And what I, what I learned out of this experience personally was that we are unprepared for this because as soon as that unexpected event happens, we immediately go into crisis and chaos. And when we're in crisis and chaos, we can't make logical decisions. It's that amygdala hijacking that I mentioned early on. 
I learned about neuroscience. I learned about the stress hormones that are released in our brain that block our ability to make good decisions. And as a result, we make bad decisions that impact our ability to come out of it successfully. So this is what I've been trying to talk with folks with and uh, counsel with them and guide them and give them some insight into what's happening so that they're aware and can manage their own state during this time. So what were, what were the flaws that you found in your business that you said 100% of your, your customers and colleagues have as well? No plan B or plan C, right? So once you're in a situation, it's all, well, we can hang this out, we can do it, you know, we can make it, you know, we can make it. So we don't have a plan, no plan B. Well, what happens if plan B doesn't work? There's no plan C. So I say, have plan C, plan D, plan E. That's one of the big ones is not having backup to a backup to a backup. If you're flying to the moon, they've got backups on multiple levels. If you're carrying nuclear bombs on an airplane, you know, uh, you have multiple fail safes to keep from starting an accidental world war. Um, so we have to do that in our own business. We have to create our, our own internal fail safe checkpoints and plan B, plan C, plan D. Uh, the, the, the second thing was knowing when to say no. When do you stop? Because as a business owner, there's a tendency to be all in and continue to put money in, continue to put money in, continue to put money in. You cross the line where it's no longer safe for your family and your ongoing sustainability. The business is just a business we become too emotionally invested in what we've done. Um, when do you sell your Apple computer stock? When do you sell your Tesla stock? When do you sell your Amazon stock, right? That's the same thing if you're an investor, you've got, you've got hard lines that say, if it drops 8%, we're gonna sell it. If it drops 20%, we're gonna sell it. But as an entrepreneur and as a small business owner, we don't have those stops in place. And we don't have a plan for when we when we are approaching that stop. So those are two of the big ones right there that will will save the majority of grief that's going on because they uh, the state of anxiety is what am I going to do? If I hear someone say what am I going to do, that tells me there is no plan B. Right, much less C, D, or E. Exactly. Okay, so can you? maybe go into a little bit about how you help businesses uh, so that they are prepared. How do, you, how do you help them develop those plans and stop gaps? I think one of the biggest things, Judy, is that, that businesses do not understand the true value they hold in their customer base. And when they, they look at their business as a customer as a customer, and they, they say to themselves, we have good customers and we have bad customers. We have big customers and we have small customers. We have way more small customers than we have really big customers. And talking now with hundreds of businesses and looking at over 200 sets of financial statements on a deep dive basis, what I find is that many, many, many business, very common, for them to have one or two clients that will account for 
30 to 60% or more of their total business. They're the big fish. And then everyone else that they're doing business with is competing for the resources of the big fish. And the big fish, even though they're giving you a tremendous amount of top line sales, may not be contributing to your bottom line much at all. And so if you lose that big fish, they're extremely vulnerable uh, because the little fish can't make up the difference. There's just physically not enough there. So understanding the value of your customer base and where the margin is, and most importantly, where the impact on your time is with that client is a huge, huge potential, resource potential. The second thing is coming out of that analysis is that I've developed a, uh, a, an approach, which is a series of mathematical steps uh, that develops what, what I call the latent potential. And the latent potential is the unserved value of your customer base. And after doing 200 of these analysis, the latent value is almost always equal to within 5% or so of the current revenue of the business. So what that tells me is that your existing customer base right now is enough to double your business once you understand where that potential is and how to access that potential. These are things they don't teach you in business school. You don't find this stuff in an accounting book. The only way you learn it is when you actually do a deep dive and an analysis into it, looking for it. And how do you access that potential? And what do you do to, to access it? There's a, whole, there's, a, there's a whole series of strategies and tactics that are involved in doing that. Um, you know, when, when I went through this analysis of my business, of myself, I was very critical. And that's hard to do when you're, when you're ego invested in your own business. You know, you've got this pride of what you created and you think that it's, it's like my kid, I can, he, they can't do any wrong. Well, I was looking for the wrong. I was looking for the weakness and I was not, um, I was not so egocentric as to think that I'd solve the problems because I just watched my business of 40 years collapse. Um, and it was, it was a, a big blow to my ego. So I was looking for what, what the causes were, what the failures were. 99% of businesses don't do that. They're only looking for the upside. They're looking for new customers, but they're not looking for the right kind of customers. They're not, they're looking for customers. And what I see all the time is businesses going, well, we need more sales. And what I tell them is, well, how much profit are you making right now? Well, we need more sales to make more profit. That is absolutely a lie. That is absolutely one of the big lies in life is that more sales do not lead to more profit. In fact, they can put you out of business. Right. Yeah. I mean, if so, your expenses are in excess of your revenues, then more sales is just going to cause you to crater faster. And if more sales is going to cause you to have to add more people, well, then you might not be as profitable with more sales than you are now. Exactly. And so what I tell to tell every one of my clients, every one of my potential clients is top line is vanity. Bottom line is sanity. So let's get to the bottom line. And this is one of the reasons 
you know, why I work so closely with the Profit First organization is about driving profit and driving cash flow. That's what I do because cash flow is the lifeblood of the business. Without cash and without cash reserves and without a solid profitability plan, you will not survive an unexpected crisis, pure and simple. Okay, well, I mean, that's really powerful, but I'm still interested in this latent potential of customers when you're looking at your current customer base, how do you tap into that latent potential and what exactly is that latent potential? So the, the key thing there, again, is we tend to be egocentric in our view of our business. You know, we do something and this is how we do it, right? So we cut hair and we do it in the salon or we print t-shirts uh, and we do it with screen printing or we print wide format banners with inkjet. Uh, they think about what they do and how they do it. That's egocentric. The latent potential is entirely client focus. How is my client using my product? And this is the key thing. How is my client using my product to benefit their business? So our focus moves from what we do to the benefit that we deliver. And when we go down that road, we can start finding all kinds of opportunities to increase the frequency of use, to increase the products that we sell, to increase the average value of the product that we sell, always driven from the result that it delivers to my client. So somebody says to me, Mark, how do I work with you? What does this all this mean? I said, it's real simple. Think of it this way. You hand me a dollar and I hand you $10 back. How many times do you want to do that with me? As many times as you're willing. <laughs> and that's the, that is 99% of the people will do that. And I'll say, I'll do it all day long. How long do you want to do it with me? And, the, and your response, your response is exactly normal. It's like, nobody's ever said that to me. It's a foreign concept. I just gave you what's called cognitive dissonance. I broke a paradigm in your mind. If I give you a dollar and you're giving me $10 back, what's the hitch? You know, what's the deal here? I said, that's my business model is I multiply your value by a factor of 10. Now, how about this? What have I been handing you back? You mean other than the $10, I guess the $10 I, is symbolic. Keep it simple. What have I been handing you back? You've been handing me back 10 times the value that I gave you. Right. So hand me $10 back and I just gave you 100. How many times are you going to do that with me? Millions. One time, because then you're going to hand back that $100 bill to get 1,000. And then you're going to hand me back that 1,000 to get 10,000. One time. Otherwise, you're handing me a hundred to get a thousand and a hundred to get a thousand and a hundred to get a thousand. Right there, that 30 second little paradigm shift, which is what I do is I shift paradigms, is completely broke the what's the lowest price you can give me for this deal? What you know, what's the best deal that you can give me? Now it's like what's the most expensive thing you can sell me? because I'm giving you a multiple in return of whatever I charge. 
And I've had somebody, I've had clients say, is that the most expensive thing that you have to sell? Because my core value is to give you more and demonstrate you to you by measuring the outcome, by measuring the result in your business, you're going to get more from me than you're getting back. And it's going to be a big multiple. I had a client last year. It was a $50 million company and their return was 4,880% on their investment in the time they spent with me. Wow. That's, that's enormous. That was 48 times the money that they spent and their net, their net profitability was well into seven figures, their net profitability, not top line, but their net. And it was beyond their comprehension that that was even possible. And it was a combination of determining what the latency is in the, the latent profit of their existing customer base and the ability to expand that latency and multiply beyond the latent value to a higher value than the existing latent value. So it just literally exploded their business. And the ironic part about it was, was that their top line revenue, their top line sales dropped by 4.4 million and their bottom line increased substantially more. Wow. So it's all about not getting hung up on what you think you know. It's, it's getting clear on what you want. Where do you want to go? And the whole focus, my focus is on increasing the liquidity of the business, increasing the profit engine to its fullest potential and doing it in a way that your clients benefit more than you do as a result of that, of that effort. Yeah, I'm, I'm still sort of wrapping my head around it, but I mean, it's, it's great stuff. It makes a lot of sense. It's incredibly collaborative. Because when you, when you take the negotiation and you move it from an adversarial relationship of I've got something that I want the most money for and the other client, the other side of the uh, negotiation is I want to buy this for the least amount of money possible. That's adversarial. And the only way that you can uh, reconcile that is by meeting somewhere between the, the two endpoints. It's always a compromise. And a collaboration, on the other hand, is to say, I've got this money, you've got this knowledge and these services, what's the most that we can make out of that? And so now it becomes a compound collaboration that is multiplicative instead of division. And as a result, everybody ends up making much, much more and is much happier and much, um, much better loyalty, much better connection, much better... Um, Link, lifetime customer value. There's all kinds of different things that, that are the benefit of that type of a collaborative relationship. Great. That's cool. So this, do you generally work like one-on-one -on -one with businesses or do you have like group coaches, coaching programs or how do you so, work? Again, I work in a contrarian approach. Uh, you have to really sell yourself on working with me. I'm not a young spring chicken anymore. I can't afford to waste my time on somebody that doesn't do the work or finds excuses why it's not going to work or anything like that. So the, the typical model that I work with is, is I will have an initial conversation with a client, find out what they want, you know, what their issues are, you know, what they have to work with, 
what their intent is and what their, what their um, confidence in themselves and their ability to do things is. And if that feels really good, then I'll put them into what's called the accelerator program. And the accelerator program is eight weeks. And in that eight week period, my expectation is that that client is going to increase their revenue somewhere in the neighborhood of 50 to $60,000 from their existing customer base. Um, and I typically work with businesses that are a half a million to 10 million in revenue. That's, the, that's kind of where I like to work the best. And the reason I work with that is because the owners are generally involved in the business and they can make decisions. Beyond 10 million, I find that it's this decision by committee. Uh, the numbers are bigger, but things move slower. And I'm in a position where I want small businesses to succeed as quickly as possible. So once they demonstrate that the program works and that they've got confidence in themselves in applying it, and I can see that they are doing the work and that they're coachable and that they're open-minded and that they can look at things from a different point of view that may be something they've never seen before. They demonstrate their, their willingness and their capability and, and the ability to deliver. At that point, then we move into the coaching model. And the coaching model uh, is generally a year-long program. There's different steps based on the size of the business. But those businesses are the ones that I look at to generate typically a quarter of a million to a million dollars plus in net profit. That's a profit above all, ex all expenses. And by, by the time they get into the coaching program, they begin to realize they've been looking at their business uh, from a completely different point of view. I call it panoramic expansion. I give you tools to look at your business from all different directions and you're expanding your vision and the possibilities that you never even thought were possible. It, it's very, it's exciting to watch people to watch the lights come on in their eyes when they see what they've got that they didn't even know that they had the potential to work with. And I've yet to find any company that does not have that kind of potential. There's, enormous latent value that's just undiscovered waiting waiting to be let let free well those are those are pretty impressive numbers and i i'm assuming those are not your best numbers those are just sort of average um, yeah so this is the classic you know ftc uh federal trade commission disclosure your results will will vary Every person's results will vary. I'm not making anybody a promise to anything, but I've seen, I have seen enormous results and we have plenty of individual people that you can talk to that talk about their experience. And I want people to fail as they get going. And the reason I want them to fail is because I want to demonstrate to them that failure is not an option. Failure is only the discovery of a non-optimal result. It's how we break your mental framework of I'm a success and I'm a failure. Those are labels. Remember what I said at the beginning about taking the labels off. They're just events. How is this experience that you've determined is a negative outcome? That's a non viable outcome. What do we learn from that? And what were, where was the hidden value in that learning experience to move forward? So this is an exercise over a long term. Uh, you know, over months 
to literally change the way you think about your life and your business and your relationships, including your family and your, your significant other, uh, it's going to change the way that you see the world, literally. And I made this discovery just by looking at my own life based on catastrophic events. Yeah, very, you know, very powerful events. I mean, 2008, losing everything, and then 2011, was it? When yeah, you lost 2012 it? was when my son passed. So between 2012 and 2014 is when I conceptualized all this. Uh, and I had enough residual momentum left to get me through that period. It was ugly. I had the IRS after me for, you know, payroll taxes that we didn't make. And, you know, it, it was, it was an ugly, dark period of time. Every day I didn't know whether the sheriff was going to show up and evict me or, you know, what was going to happen. There was just so much uncertainty and so much chaos. And it took a tremendous amount of discipline to stay focused and to stay on track with that. And thank God I was able to do it. Uh, but then in 2014, 2015, I started piloting Catalyst uh, and the Catalyst plan. And now we've had about 180 companies in the last 48 months go through it. And we've got 400 on deck now um, coming out of COVID uh, because this is such an enormously disruptive time. Um, we got to get people, get, get them stable and get them to the point where they feel safe about their own personal survival before we can really get going again. But now is the preparation time to really take those first steps. Right. So 180 companies have gone through, is that the, the Catalyst program? Is that the eight week? Yes. Well, eight weekend coaching. So we've had in the coaching program, I've probably taken 20 companies, between 20 and 30 companies through coaching. And most of those companies that are in coaching are multiple year. They, they love it so much after the first year. The first year is all about getting your house in order and getting things fixed and aligned. And in year two is when things really take off. That's where the confidence builds. That's where people begin to realize that they have unlimited potential. It's only limited by what they think. And even with what they think, it's unlimited. And so at that point, that's where it's really exciting. And, and I feed off that positive energy that's where that collaboration aspect of it is so powerful. Um, ironically, I don't know if it's ironic or not, but all the people in the coaching program coming into and through COVID have survived and prospered because they, their, mental, their mental outlook is such that they're able to weather everything only as an event and not as something that's devastating, that wiped my business out you know, or shut me down. Those are all labels. When somebody says it shut my business down, it didn't shut your business down. You shut your business down. You always have choices and decisions. It may not be operating at the level that you were previously, but you still have business there. You just have to be looking in a different direction for it. Right. Now, I know that you are one of the certified master profit first professionals and you have behind you on your Bookshelf, uh, Profit First, and um, Michael McCallich's other book, Fixed This Fixed Next. That's his newest book. Several of his books. Yeah. Um, so tell us a little bit about why you decided to become a um, certified uh, Profit First professional and, and what that program is all about. 
So Profit First, uh, the, the mission statement of Profit First is to eliminate entrepreneurial poverty. That's the work hard, not get ahead, right? Everybody's, you know, the small business entrepreneurs, I see it all the time. They're working really, really hard and there's nothing there at the end. They go in and do their taxes and, the, and the, their, um, their CPA tells them, well, you had a really good year this year. You, you made $150,000 and you, you owe, you know, 50,000 in taxes. And they're freaked out because they don't have that liquid cash. Where's the profit? They don't know. They don't know accounting. They don't know financial management. They're craftsmen. They, they deliver their craft, whatever that craft is. And there's three things that are involved in every business. There's the craft, which is the product or service that you deliver. There's the sales and marketing that delivers the lead and the demand for your service. And then there's the financial and administrative leg, which is how you manage your cash flow and your profit and pay your taxes and invest in your business and that kind of thing. You need all three of those legs. If any one of those legs is out of balance, the business is going to stall and you're going to either, uh, hit neutrality or start losing money. So I recognized profit first when I read it for the first time uh, in 2016, I said, this is an easy to use application of financial tools that anybody can do. And so I immediately set out to become certified. And my intention was to include it in all the work that I do, which I do. And I started a profit first group uh, for the printing industry on uh, Facebook. And I've got 920 companies in that group now, none of which are paid clients for me. I only use that group to build their confidence and, and build their financial literacy. So they understand what they need to be financially successful. Um, once I became certified, then I, I started uh, down the path of master certification because I realized that most of the bookkeepers and CPAs uh, were used to putting numbers in boxes and they weren't used to creatively looking at their businesses. They weren't lo looking at the bigger picture of the importance of finances to the business. So being a master certified profit first professional, I get greater access to CPAs and bookkeepers and I've been instrumental in providing them with greater insight onto the entrepreneurial side. And on the, on the fix this next uh, book, that's equally as powerful as profit first. And it's all about designing your business for stability. And it's based on a business model that Mike uh, has translated from Maslow's hierarchy to what he calls the business hierarchy of growth. Excuse me. I'm one of the first 20 certified fix this next advisors because what I do is I fix businesses. I tell people I am a personal fitness coach for businesses. You come to me, I tell you if you're overweight, I tell you if you're on a junk food diet, I tell you if you're eating right, you're not getting the right kind of exercise, you're not getting the right kind of sleep. I'm balancing your business for a balanced lifestyle. And that is based on your requirements. So it's not a consultant, which is someone that you hire to fix a single problem. It's more like business coaching where I'm helping you design your lifestyle with business being a key part of that lifestyle, but keeping things in balance 
so that you enjoy life and you use it, you use your business as a means to an end. Ends. Okay, great. Well, we're, we're almost out of time here. I'd like you to um, maybe summarize or what are, the, what are the key points that you would want people to take away from listening to this episode? Well, I think that the key thing is, is really the times that we're in right now are a catalyst. A catalyst is something that is not consumed, but it accelerates a reaction. That's why I named my program Catalyst. Uh, COVID is a catalyst to understand the weaknesses in your business and in your life, in your job, wherever you are. Use this time to analyze what's going on now as an event and focus on the event moving you to a better place. Find the silver lining in the cloud. Find the silver lining in the storm. It's there. You have to look. Once you start doing that, it, it removes the anxiety and the angst that surrounds us right now. The anxiety, the definition of anxiety is fear of the unknown. And we can't see the future, so it has built-in anxiety in it. But if we understand that we're looking for the good in every event, it doesn't matter what the events are. We can find good in it. They may be uncomfortable, but they're only uncomfortable because we're looking at the, at the parts that lead to discomfort. We need to look for the parts that lead to comfort. So there's hope, there's optimism, uh, there's positivity moving ahead. Um, it has been a difficult and challenging time for so many people. For me, the big challenge is talking to 10 to 15 companies a day, every single day, including the weekends, and maintaining positivity when there's so much weight out there. There's so much struggle. And every day, it's, it's multiple times a day trying to give people um, a vision, a glimpse that, that it doesn't have to be this heavy. It, it, there is hope, there is positivity, and you're in control of it. Do the things that you can do that can make a difference for you today. Don't focus on the things that you have no control over. Focus on the things that you have control over and focus on things that will make your life better, even if it's for an hour, even if it's for a day. And that will, that will help you to break the pattern um, of, of where things are right now. Well, it sounds like you might need to talk to yourself if you're working uh, seven days a week and talking to 15 people a day. It's, it's challenging to do that, but there's such a need. And I, I'm always looking for um, other individuals, you know, other people, other sources that I can, that I can shed light on. Um, and so far, it's okay. I mean, this last weekend, I took two days off. The 4th of July weekend, I took three days off. So in the month of July, I've taken five days off, which for me is monumental because I normally will work under normal situation six days a week because I love to work. I mean, I find joy in the work that I do. This is hard work, but it's still joyful work because yeah, I know that I'm making a difference to people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Mark, how do people get in touch with you if they want to follow up and, and learn more about your programs? So they can go to catalystplan.com, C-A-T-A-L-Y-S-T, P-L-A-N.com, catalystplan.com, and schedule a call with me. 
you know, and you know, there's no pitch, there's nothing to sell. I've got nothing, you know, to, to uh, try and, um, you know, sell you or anything like that. I just want to know what's going on in your life. And if I can provide some insight for you. And if, if our conversation gives you some enlightenment and raises some questions that you'd like to, uh, in, you know, investigate further, I'm going to give you a path to do that. And if you need some help to do that, then I can help you with that too. But there's never any pressure. There's never any agenda from my end of it. Um, I, I literally, um, I'm literally there to help you and provide some, some hope moving forward. Great. Well, Mark, this has been really terrific. I have gained a lot through this. I'm going to send you $10,000 so you can send me 100000 because I don't have 100000 for you to send me a million. Um, <laughs> but um, it's, it's really refreshing to get that viewpoint that uh, there's a silver lining, there's things that we have control over. We don't have to feel as anxious and we can direct our course so that we'll come out better in the long run. Well, Judy, thank you so much for having me. And I hope that the time that we spent together for everyone that's listening uh, has given you, you know, a glimmer of hope moving forward. Uh, it's there. It's there for all of us. And um, it, it's just better. It's just getting better. Great. Again, thanks so much for being on the show today. All right. Thank you. Goodbye.